You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. Bible readings uh, this evening. One is a surprise extra, which isn't why it's not on the order of service. It's a short reading just to set the context, because I realized we're jumping right into the middle of Haggai chapter 2, and uh, some of you may not be 100% familiar with the context of Haggai chapter 2. So I do get a short reading just from Ezra chapter 4, verses 17 to chapter 5, verse 2. As the reading from Haggai is also quite short, I thought this would be okay. I'm going to say, let's read the whole book of Ezra to get the idea. Just a few verses. Ezra chapter 4, verses 17 to Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. So Ezra is the story of God's people after having been sent into exile, into Babylon. This is 70 years later, and they've now returned. You see that in the beginning of Ezra, chapter 1 and chapter 2. The people come back to the land. They're much smaller. They're a group of only 50,000 people, and they've, they've come back to the land with the task of rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the city, rebuilding the temple, and yet the task is not easy. They face persecution and opposition from the surrounding nations, from the people of the lands who who don't want this to happen. And we're going to see what happens. And this is that context where Haggai steps in. Let's hear the word of God first from Ezra chapter 4. The king sent an answer to Rehum the commander and to Shimshai the scribe and the rest of their associates who live in Samaria and in the rest of the province beyond the river. Greeting. And now the letter that you sent to us has been plainly read before me, and I made a decree, and search has been made, and it has been found that this city from of old has risen against kings, and that rebellion and sedition has been made in it. And mighty kings have been over Jerusalem, who ruled over the whole province beyond the river, to whom tribute, custom, and toil were paid. Therefore make a a decree that these men be made to cease, and that this city be not rebuilt until a decree is made by me. And take care not to be slack in this matter. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the king? Then when a copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Yozadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. 
and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So you see it mentioned there, Haggai, in chapter 5, the people of God had stopped working, rebuilding the temple of the, the house of God for about 16 to 20 years. The work had stopped. The Lord had sent them back in order to rebuild the temple, but they stopped because of the persecution and the oppression. And so the Lord sends Haggai. Haggai, only two chapters. Haggai, with the main pur purpose of Haggai, is to, to stir them up, to awaken God's people to start building again, to get back to work. And so we're going to jump in at Haggai now. You see this in your order of service. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. This is Haggai's second message, the Lord's second message to the people through the prophet Haggai. Let's read the word of God. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you now see it? It is not as nothing in your eyes, yet now. Be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Do you ever feel discouraged? Do you ever feel discouraged? Maybe just the lack of interest people seem to have in the gospel. Do you ever feel discouraged about the state of Christianity in this country? Do you ever feel discouraged about the number of times you've invited your friends or your next door neighbours to, to come to church, come to our carol service who's just had Christmas? Do you ever feel discouraged by the, yeah, well, that, that's great for you, but that's not for me. I've got my other things. I do my other things on, on Sunday. That, that's fine for you, but it's not for me. Do you ever feel discouraged because of the task ahead? You think about the size of the city of Gloucester, 150 or so thousand people. Here you think, how can we reach that many people? How can we do this? It's too big, it's too much. You ever feel discouraged in your own life, thinking, how can I cope with this next year ahead? 2021 was a difficult year. And the start of 2022 hasn't been much different. How am I going to get through this year ahead? Do you ever feel discouraged? And that's exactly how the people of God felt at this time. One month has passed 
since they started rebuilding, as we read from Ezra chapter 4 and 5. One month has passed. Haggai's first message to them got them rebuilding again. In your Bible, you can see that at the end of Haggai chapter 1, it got them rebuilding again. They started to do the work. That was in the sixth month of the year. We join them now at the beginning of chapter 2, and it's the seventh month. It's a year, a month later. And since then, since the excitement of, all right, let's go. We've got the message from the Lord. The Lord is with us. We've, he's given us instructions. Let's go and let's get building. Not much has happened. You see, the seventh month is a significant month in the, in the Jewish year. There are a number of festivals in the seventh month. A lot of time when they would have been feasting and meeting together, when they wouldn't have been able to work. A lot of the time when they've, okay, we'll have to have this week off now, and then we'll get rebuilding another time. We read in the beginning of chapter 1, and we're not read, but in the beginning of chapter 1 of Haggai, it talks about them being in a, in a time of famine, a time where not much is grown. And so times of, of feasting, Festival of Passover and unleavened bread, great times of celebration and rejoicing, times of feasting, which they would usually celebrate and be able to enjoy all of God's bountiful provisions for them, they've not been able to because hardly anything has grown. It's been very difficult times. We should make it even worse in the seventh month. This is not how it used to be. Our temple, the place where we used to go to do these festivals, is in ruins. And there's nothing to eat. What kind of celebration is this? Like having Christmas with no tree, no festival, no feasting, just toast and marmite. It's not too bad. And the seventh month as well, which would have, which would have made it even worse, that was the month years ago that Solomon dedicated the, the finishing of the completion of the old temple, the one that was destroyed. When the temple that some of the older members of the congregation who were there, some of the older ones would have remembered in all its glory and splendor. Go and read 1 Kings. And the, the details of the temple, the gold, the marble, the stone. The seventh month was when it was dedicated, was when Solomon prayed that this temple would be a place of worship and their meeting in the seventh month with rubble and ruin, thorns and thistles. And the people of God here are so discouraged by the task ahead of them. How are we ever going to do this? How are we ever going to match up with what the temple was like before? How can we ever compare to that? How can we ever get this finished? There's so few of us. There's hardly anything to eat. There's hardly any materials. Looking around the rubble, daunted by the vast task ahead of them. You see here in Haggai chapter 2, the context in which the Lord sends Haggai is one where people are daunted where discouragement and despair surges through the people of God. And so God speaks. 
God speaks into this context. He sends Haggai at this time. Why? To encourage them. To reassure them. We're going to see from this short passage this evening, just Haggai 2, 1 to 5, four ways in which the Lord encourages his people. Encourages his people here at this time. But also encourages us today in our process of, of building this church, only a few years old, nearly two years old, I think, aren't you? Process of building, process of reaching out, where things can seem discouraging and daunting the task ahead. You see four ways in which the Lord encourages us as well today. So let's hear these wonderful encouragements from the Lord our God. The first is that he sends them a timely word. He sends them a timely word. You see in verses 1 and 2, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the high priest, to the remnant of the people. Speak now. Speak now, at this time, in this very month. He doesn't wait until all the festivals and feastings are over. He speaks to them at that very time. One month after they've started to rebuild the temple, when progress is lacking, when morale is low, he speaks to the leaders, to the people. He speaks at that time. See, the Lord sends then a, a timely word. He knows just when, exactly when, to speak. Just like in Exodus 3, when the people crying out to the Lord their God. When they were in slavery in Egypt, the Lord knew. He heard, he remembered his covenant with them. Because the Lord's timing is absolutely perfect. He doesn't just speak when times are going well. But he speaks when they need it the most. When they're at their lowest. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. A word spoken in due season, at the right time time. You see the grace and love of our God here, just in the timing of when he speaks, when they're down, when they're discouraged, that's when he sends Haggai. That's when he, he sends Haggai to encourage them with his word. Be amazed by the, the wisdom, the tender care of our God just in the timing of when he sends this word, when his people need it the most. What an encouragement that is. That should be for us, that when we need it the most, the Lord can speak. Maybe you've experienced that when you're feeling down one particular day, when you've just had bad news, when you're really struggling with something, and at that moment you get a text message or an email comes through or a phone call. 
someone says, let's meet for coffee. Seem the timing can be perfect, can't it? That's just what I needed at that time. It's wonderful, isn't it? Maybe you're feeling discouraged or daunted today. The Lord knows. And he knows exactly when to speak. But the Lord can also use you as well to encourage and to send a timely word to someone else. You might overhear or realise or notice that someone here, someone you know is struggling. Maybe this week is the week to get in touch with them, to send them a timely word. The Lord knows how you're feeling and wisely knows how and when to encourage you. So we've seen, firstly, he sends them a timely word. Secondly, the Lord acknowledges their present condition. This is in verse 3. The Lord acknowledges their present condition. You might look at verse 3, which says, Who is left among you, and who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? You might see how the, what the Lord says to them at first. And you might be puzzled at how he begins. You think, I, I thought you were going to try to encourage your people to kind of get them going again. Shouldn't you start with some, there, there, it's not too bad. Come on, you're doing really well. It's not as bad as it looks. But he doesn't, does he? He says, basically, you have every reason to be discouraged. Look, what you see there is nothing. And the few who did see the temple, what it was like before, all those years ago, elderly, what do you see now? You look and you see it is nothing. It's just a pile of rubble and ruin. See, the Lord is up front about it, isn't he? He's up front about the current state of affairs. He doesn't try and find the positive. Look, that, that material that you've gathered it is, is pretty good. It's very good. That food, look, look more is going to be coming. He acknowledges their present condition. He doesn't say it's not that bad. He doesn't say, look, don't worry about it. It's like going to the doctors. They acknowledge your present condition, and rightly so. You say you have a really bad pain in your head. They don't say, oh, well, that's fine, but your, your feet are wonderful. They're doing great. Your legs are lovely. We wouldn't say it like that. But they acknowledge your present condition. Yes, there is something wrong. Yes, and we need to do this. They're upfront about it, aren't they? And that's good. And that's what the Lord does here. He deals with reality and recognises what's causing their current discouragement. The immensity of the task ahead of them. The fruitlessness of their progress so far. The slowness. Never being able to match that past glory. He wants them to recognise their present condition. He wants them not to be discouraged by it, but to be content. To be assured that the Lord is at work 
that his timing is perfect. The Lord could have easily brought millions of people to help build up the temple. He could have provided all the gold in the world. He could have caused a bumper harvest to happen like that. But he doesn't. Things are difficult. And that's no accident. He wants them to acknowledge their present condition. It's easy, isn't it, to, to have a proud heart and not be able to rejoice and celebrate unless we're doing as well as or better than others. To better or as well as a, another church down the road or another family across the street or, or those in past generations. It's easy it's just me, it's easy, isn't it, to feel discouraged when comparing ourselves to others, having something, well, it's probably not a medical thing, called giraffe syndrome. Maybe that's just me being tall. Giraffe syndrome, where you're, not, you're always looking, looking at other people, comparing what, what we're doing as a church to the one down the road, what we're doing as a family to the one over there. And unless we're doing better or the same as, we're discouraged. It says, no, I want you to acknowledge your present condition. This is the Lord's doing. Where you are, the state of things, what you have, who's here, this is under the Lord's sovereign plan and purpose for you at this time. Think of the, your, the church here. The Lord could easily bring a coachload of people so there'd be standing room only next Sunday. Easy. He might, or it might be like this. It says, don't be discouraged. This is where I want you to be. This is who I want to be here at this time. Churches and people, families, go through seasons of growth, of decline. We're all saying, this is my work, and I am always at work. Don't be discouraged. Your present condition is under my sovereign control. Now, we must as well, we must as well be aware of discouraging others. It's easy, isn't it? And I, I find it easy to get into the habit of, oh, we're so much better. Do you remember those good old days? of constantly comparing the present to how things used to be. Well, the Lord sends them a timely word. He acknowledges their present condition. Thirdly, he reminds them of their current duty. In verse 4, he reminds them of their current duty. Yet now, in this time, the Lord says to them, in these circumstances, with these people, with that past, with those surroundings, in this time, yet now, be strong. O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord. Work or build, for I am with you. He reminds them of their current duty. At this time, in these circumstances, be strong, be strong, be strong. What's he saying? Hold firmly. 
hold firmly, grasp hold of the purpose of what I sent you to do. I sent you back at that time in this place, you, these people, to rebuild this house with these resources in this situation, in this year and at this date. Hold firm to that purpose. Don't be discouraged. Don't compare. Hold firm. Be strong. Leave the circumstances to me. I call you to be faithful. To be faithful with the work that I've given you. You are my servants. I'm in charge. I've given you this task to rebuild my house. Stop listening to yourselves. That little voice in your head which causes you to be discouraged, which causes you to be despondent or to be fed up. That little voice in your head which causes you to, to feel so negative. It says, listen to me. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong and build and work. There's another wonderful example of this with Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua just taken over from Moses. Joshua on the banks of the river Jordan. Moses had just died. The whole promised land in front of them to conquer, a river to cross. Thinking, how can I live up to, to what Moses did? The great Moses who, who ruled over God's people for 40 years, who brought them out of Egypt. One who was so close to God, who talked to God like a friend face to face. How can I ever live up to that? You see how, how daunted and discouraged Joshua could be. What does God say to him? In verse 6, be strong of Joshua 1. In verse 7, be strong. In verse 9, be strong. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Hold on to the purpose that I have given for you at this time. You are not Moses. You are Joshua. You are not bringing people out of Egypt. You are taking people in to the promised land. Lead this people. Study, be devoted to the law, and I will be with you. I will fight for you. God reminding Joshua of his current duty, as God through Haggai is reminding the people here of their current duty. You know how often I need to be reminded how easy it is to compare and to grumble and to wish the grass always seems to be greener on the other side. So easy to be driven by numbers. If we just have this many views on YouTube this week, then yes, then I'm a success today. If I have, we just have this many new people come. So easy to be driven by numbers and results, isn't it? So easy only to rejoice when the work is going well and when circumstances are good. And so easy to be discouraged when things are going the other way. But it reminds them of their current duty, it reminds us of our current duty today, in this time. As he says to his disciples in the end of Matthew's Gospel, go and make disciples. Be strong and courageous. 
faithful in doing the Lord's work and leave the fruit, leave the results to me. This is in the Lord's hand. Don't be discouraged. Let's faithfully do the work that the Lord has called us to do in this place, in this time, for his pleasure and glory. He reminds them of their current duty. You've seen three ways that the Lord has encouraged his people so far through Haggai. He sends them a timely word. He acknowledges their present condition. And he reminds them of their current duties. The fourth and finally, in verse four and five, he assures them of his constant presence. He assures them of his constant presence. He says, be strong, be strong, be strong, for I am with you, declares the Lord, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. This is the reason why you can build. This is the reason why you can work. This is the reason why you can be strong and hold on to that purpose. This is the reason why you don't need to be discouraged or daunted or despondent about the task ahead of you. You are a, a tiny little remnant of a people surrounded by much bigger peoples. This is why you can build. This is why you can carry on. If you see the difference in Ezra, between Ezra chapter 4 and Ezra chapter 5, in Ezra chapter 5 and 6, they face persecution again, they carry on building. Ezra chapter 4, they stop. Because the Lord has sent them encouragement. I am with you. He assures them of his constant presence. This is why you can carry on. For I am with you. I, the Lord of hosts, your God, the God of Jerusalem, the God of the rubble and the ruin, the God of the small, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and Moses, I am your God and I am with you. As I was with the people with Moses and Joshua, with them in the wilderness. The seventh month they also celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when the people would stay in tents, when they would remember the God, God's people travelling the wilderness for 40 years. At that time, the whole nation were living in tents, they were travelling, they were wanderers, they were vulnerable. They weren't ploughing, they weren't harvesting, they were completely dependent on God day by day and yet he provided bread for them in the mornings, he provided for them meat, he provided for them water from rocks, miraculously for 40 years. He's saying, I am that God today with you now. Yes, you may feel vulnerable and small, but I am with you. I am with you. As I has always been with my people, I am with you right now. Doesn't my sending Haggai, a prophet, and Zechariah as well, at this time, to speak to you, prove that I am with you? Against all odds, I brought you back. You could have easily been wiped out as a people. And yet, I brought you back. A hundred years before 
Cyrus even made that decree to send the people back to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. God says Cyrus is the one who's going to send you back. I am with you. I am in control. Now the whole purpose of the temple, of what was the tabernacle, you read in Exodus 29, I will dwell among the people of Israel and be their God and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Why did I want you to start with rebuilding the temple? Why not the city walls or the infrastructure or the roads? Because I want you to know that I am with you. I am your God. And now as you've come out of exile, I am with you as I, was, as I have always been with you. I am the supreme and eternal God of glory. I am with you in the rubble, in the thorns, in times of discouragement, in difficult times, in struggles ahead. I am with you. And yet to encourage them further, it says in verse 5, according to the covenant that I made with you when I, you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains with you. It says you do not need to fear. You can love and delight and honour me, your God, who is always with you, because my spirit remains with you. The third person of the Trinity, one who is, who is fully God, the spirit of instruction, Read in Nehemiah chapter 9, 20, a spirit that enables, that equips. The spirit who remains with you to instruct you and equip you for the task ahead of you. That same spirit is with you now to enable you to do this work. There are different building projects go through different stages, don't they? Some of the stages are seen and some of the stages are more hidden. Think of the foundation stage. No one really sees. It's all underground, digging holes and, and other things that go on. Then you have the structure stage that goes up. People see that. Think of the new secondary school that's being built in, you might not have seen it, in, in Leckhampton, the new secondary school there. You see the structural stage, all the scaffolding goes up and the, the steel goes up and all the other things that go up. You see that, it starts to take shape, but then you have the internal stage, all the electrics and the plumbing, not, the, not very exciting stuff, but th that's the kind of stuff you don't see, and yet that's important for the building project. And you have the, the decor and all the, the furnishings and the finish, the landscaping. You see that. That then takes place in order for this building project to be complete. See, there's a variety of stages. Some of those stages are hidden, some of those are seen, and yet the building is still being built. There's still work being done. That's the same with the church, that's the same with the people here. They go through different stages. This is a stage that may be more hidden, where the Lord being at work might not be as outward, externally visible as it was in the past. And yet the Lord is at work. 
He assures them of his constant presence. They can be encouraged that at different times in different ways. As Jesus says in John 5, 17, my father is always working. Be encouraged. The spirit is always present as we meet Sunday by Sunday in our lives day by day to instruct and to enable in every conversation, in every door knocking, in every invite that goes out, the Lord is always working. But Jesus says, isn't he, with his disciples, Matthew 28, the very end of Matthew's gospel, I am with you always. That the work may go through different stages. There may be times of great growth, of great external change and growth. But there may be times where it doesn't look like much is going on. Yet he assures them of his constant presence in all times. We've seen how the Lord encourages his people. The Lord encourages us today. He sends them a timely word. He acknowledges their present condition. He reminds them of their current duty and he assures them that in whatever time, whatever stage, he assures them of his constant presence. I will be with you. Keep going. Be strong and build. I know things are hard, but you're doing great. Be faithful to what I've asked you to do. Be strong and build. Let's pray together. You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres, that's P-R-E-S, dot co, dot U-K.